Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Hey, it's good to be with y'all. We are uh, in week two of our new series, The Mark series as we continue, really finish up the introduction of this gospel. And uh, the introductions to all the gospels are important. First impressions are, are important, but sometimes they aren't exactly what we expected. Like maybe you might be feeling now. Good morning. <laughs> hey, thank you. Hey, it's good to be with y'all this morning. My name is Pastor David. I get the chance to uh, preach this morning, and I am excited to uh, be with y'all. This is my first time, or I guess last two hours ago was, uh, was my first time preaching in this building, so it's good to be here. Y'all look great. This is actually, I think, uh, I'm just thinking this right now, so this is off the cuff, but... uh, I have been pastoring or preaching for, I don't know, the better part of uh, 13, 14 years now. This might be one of the first times that I've ever preached in a building that was built as a church. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of odd. But we the church, right? We the church. Hey, I I really am excited. Um, the, The idea of writing a gospel right, had one purpose, and we get four of them in our text. The purpose is to show who Jesus is, but they all do it in very unique and different ways. And one of the things that I think that uh, can often be overlooked or missed if we, if we try to synthesize things too quick and create what actually happened, we miss what the writers are doing to tell us who this man is. And that's my hope for us today. Today is going to be about identity. Mark is revealing to us for the very first time the identity of Jesus, the one he's going to write about for the rest of his gospel. He is telling us right now in a really unique way the identity of Jesus. Where all the gospel authors start off by saying, this is who this man is, he's the only one that does it in this way. Mark and, I mean, Matthew and Luke have long genealogies and birth narratives, and we get background, and we get family members. We get, we, we get stories that, in some ways, it's like the birth of Jesus' cousin is, it gets a long part of the text in other gospels. Like, is that, how, where's, the, where's the connection there? Mark doesn't give us any of that, though. John gives us this connection back to uh, history, eternal history past, and how uh, the identity of Jesus is founded in who he was before creation and then becoming, becoming flesh. But Mark gives us none of that. Mark gives us none of that. Pastor Plunk started us off last week preaching through the first eight verses of John the Baptist saying, I am here now. My point is to prepare the way for the one that is to come. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness. And it says that he's out there in the wilderness baptizing people. But then he says that there's going to be one who, John's baptizing with water, 
right? Putting people in water and bringing them up as a symbolic way to represent uh, the, the cleansing that needs to happen. He says, I baptize with water, but the one that's coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not worthy to even touch his shoes. And then the very next line. At that time, Jesus. At that time, Jesus. But then we get something very strange, right? John just said, I baptize you with water, but the greater one is coming, and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. But then what does Jesus do? He gets baptized with water. Like, doesn't that make you stop and say, huh? What's going on? It's a unique introduction to this man. We're going to look at these three stories that Mark tells very quickly, right, in just a few sentences each to say this is who Jesus is before he starts his ministry, which will begin in verse 16 and that we'll start next week. And I, I, I haven't said anything yet, but to the kids that are in the room, elementary students that are in the room, welcome. Glad to have you all. Uh, you should have, if you didn't, you should have uh, gotten a clipboard with a piece of paper on it. There's a place at the top there to write down keywords. If you uh, want to follow along, these are the keywords that you can be listening to. And if you're an adult and you like to follow along, these are some keywords to be listening to. Because <laughs> we are going to be talking about identity. This whole message is going to be about identity. The whole, the whole point is who is this man? Who is Jesus that has, I mean, from our vantage point, radically transformed and changed the history of the world more than anything else ever, ever? But who is he? Who is he? It's three stories, three identities that we're going to see. I, I, I call these and I'll explain them as we go. Identity through lineage, identity through accomplishment, and identity through purpose. Identity through lineage, identity through accomplishment, and identity through purpose. Every time I preach a narrative, I feel the need to remind myself that, um, and remind, remind us that as much as we want it, what God gave us in his word is not a list of things to know and a list of things to do. Like at this core of our faith, we, 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 we would say there are some things that you must believe and then some ways that you must live that out and practically follow who Jesus is. But when God gave us his word, he didn't give us that list. Now in David's wisdom, it, that feels like a miss. Right? I want to know, what do I need to, like, okay, Jesus, if you're real, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? Tell me. Give me the, give me the bulleted list. That would sure make it easier, and then I wouldn't miss it. That's not what God gave us. If you've been around me for a little while, you've heard me say this before. He gave us a wild, hairy, crazy story. This spans thousands of years and lots of people in different nations all over the world, traveling, moving around, Lots of crazy things going on, some of it that feels like impossible to understand. And that's what God gave us, to understand who he is. Which either tells me 
or, 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 or tells me both at the same time, that I need to change the way that I understand because maybe the list isn't exactly what I need. And maybe what I'm trying to understand is a little bit more complex than a list could hold. So that's what we're going to get into today in these three stories, these three short uh, stories of who Jesus is. Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of, um, of Jesus's teaching. Most of what he gives us is, is, is narrative, right? There's, there's still plenty of it, but if you have a, a Bible that has Jesus's words in red letter, right, you look, you, you flip through the book of Mark and then compare that to the book of Matthew or the book of, like, there's way less red letter in the book of Mark than there is in, in the other gospels. There's still, there's still plenty of it, but it's conversational Jesus, right? It's not teaching Jesus. There's, there's two longer teaching sections in chapter 4 and chapter 13, um, but but for the most part, we get Jesus in narrative. We get Jesus in, in action. We get, we get to make sense of what is, what is happening. And so that's what he does. When he brings Jesus onto the scene right here, he's going to give us the opportunity by meditating, talking together to understand who Jesus is as he reveals himself in his baptism, in his testing in the wilderness, and in his proclamation of his purpose to bring the kingdom. So let's begin. Verse 9. It says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. There's lots of connections that we will make today because part of the way that Mark tells this story is by telling it quickly with little, little snippets that we're supposed to unpack and be able to, to meditate on and see, oh, I understand more because I've read, I've read more. We don't have time to go into it today, but there's, th this is not like just a coincidence that Jesus is in the Jordan, right? God's people have before gone through a testing time to walk through these exact waters in order to get to the promised land. So Jesus comes and he's baptized in the Jordan. And it says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water. So Jesus goes to John. He's baptized by John in the Jordan. He comes up out of the water. And we see this strange phrase uh, that, that's easy to overlook. And I just want to draw our attention to it. It says, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove he saw now does that mean nobody else saw or nobody else was there or john saw and him or just jesus i don't know all we know is jesus saw it we don't know that anybody else saw it he doesn't record that anybody else was privy to this information he doesn't record that anybody else saw this he just says jesus saw this which is strange to me because I feel like the God-man should have already known this. But, but Mark records this as though this is an identifying moment for Jesus. He saw heaven opening up, the spirit de descending on him like a dove. And then we get the defining words from heaven. And a voice, verse 11, came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. 
The reason that I say that this is identity based on lineage is because this is the defining voice of the father saying this is who you are. Now, there, there's nothing wrong with, with saying uh, I'm identified by where I come from or from by, 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 my, by my lineage. There's a massive industry, millions and millions of dollars going into helping people connect themselves to people that they descended from in the past so that they can understand more of who they are. There's a commercial for one of those that's going on, or maybe it's not anymore, but it was recently. And the, the woman is sitting there saying, yeah, I, I went on to this website because I want my kids to know where they come from. I want them to know who they are. There's something about where we come from that identifies us, that tells us this is a part of who you are. So if they were great and did amazing things, that's in you. But the genealogy in Mark is not like Matthew and Luke where we get name after name after name after name after name after name. And I could go on after name. The genealogy in Mark is a defining voice from the Father to say, this is who you are. He doesn't just say a random phrase or something that was meaningful in that moment. He says three phrases that would not have been lost on a first century audience, especially one that grew up reading the Hebrew Scriptures. He says three phrases here that would have connected in the same way that if I just said, I am your father. <laughs> you just connected it, right? And if a movie came in your mind, that's literally almost, right? And here's the crazy thing. Okay, don't shame me too much. I've never seen the movie. <laughs> but I know what you're thinking about. Because I just know if I say those words in that tone of voice, all, I, can, I can make y'all go there. And this does that. All three of these phrases are connected. All three of them have meaning. The very first one, he says, you are my son, Psalm 2, 7. You are my son. Psalm 2 was a coronation psalm, a psalm that would have been read or sung when, when, when the king was, was, being, was, was, was coming into power, the king that everybody had hoped for, the king that was longed for, the king that would bring the hope of the kingdom. It says, you are my son, the same way Psalm 2 says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. The second one is, whom I love which would have connected straight back to Genesis 22 when God does this radically crazy thing, calling a man a mountain and make a sacrifice, but there's no animal. He says, take your son, the one you love. The third phrase with you, I am well pleased. The same way that Isaiah prophesied about his servant that he writes about for chapter after chapter after chapter, beginning in chapter 40, all the way through, through, through 55, where, where this, this servant would come that would bring the hope for the nation of Israel. And in chapter 42, verse 1, he says, here is my servant 
whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. Same phrase, with you I am well pleased. The defining voice of God says, Jesus, you are the fulfillment of everything that has been hoped for. You are the son like Isaac that was promised that would be the sacrifice for everyone. You are the king like David that would promise to bring the kingdom. You are the servant that Isaiah was hoping for that would bring redemption and restoration for the people of Israel. That's your line. That's your lineage. It's not name after name after name after name. It's a father saying this story is you. That's Jesus. He is the one. We see his identity in a little three-sentence story of his baptism recorded by Mark. Now, before I transition to the second story, let me just, um, I think this begs a question in some ways. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? Right? If I were to ask you, why are we baptized? Well, it's a symbolic representation of the forgiveness that God offers to us because of Jesus' death and resurrection, right? I go into the water, I'm, I'm a sinner, so I'm unclean. I go into the water symbolically, just like Jesus washed me clean. The water washes me clean, and I come up, and now I'm made new, and I'm presentable, and I can come blameless to, to God. But what is being washed off of Jesus? Right? What's being washed off? He's not going into the water unclean to What's being washed off of Jesus? I think this is where even the picture of baptism is just way more beautiful and complex than, than sometimes uh, I think about. Because baptism isn't just this symbolic representation of what happens to my sin. It's also a symbolic re- representation of who I am as a person. All throughout the, the Bible, the, the, the pouring of water or the pouring of oil was a symbolic representation of the filling of the Spirit, which is exactly what this records happens, happens here. Jesus goes into the water, and immediately when he comes out, he is filled with the Spirit. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. No gospel author records Jesus doing any ministry work before his baptism. There's something about baptism that, that, that not just says this is who you are as one who is unclean and now is clean, but this is who you are as one who is filled by God and given life and purpose and power. This is who you are. And I, I, I mean, I, I even asked Pastor Plunk, I was like, I can't preach this message without encouraging you to be baptized. I just can't. When's the next baptism service? And sure enough, we got a baptism service coming up. If you have never been baptized, I want to really encourage you, take this step. It is an identifying step. It's not just an act because that's what I'm supposed to do. It's something that God says, follow me in obedience. As you go into the water, I am defining you. I am defining who you are. As one who was dead and brought back to life, as one who was unclean and brought up clean, but also as one who was hopeless without the Spirit and brought up and filled with the Spirit. This is who you are. It's not baptism that saves you, but it is baptism in some ways that identifies us. Scripture often talks about remember your baptism, right? Like don't forget that that's who you are. 
if, if you've heard me talk about baptism, I often use the analogy of a jersey. Like, I can be on a team and not have a jersey, but this jersey is sure defining. And for a kid, like, that just got on a team, there ain't no better day than the day you got your jersey, right? That's a great day. Nobody's saying, oh, you have to get that. No, give that to me. I got to put that thing on. That's who I am. I want you to know it too. And if I ever doubt, am I really still on the team? I can always go back to my closet, and there it is. It's hanging right there. It's who I am. So November 19th, it's our next baptism service. If that's something that you have never done, if you are following Jesus and have never taken the step of baptism, I would encourage you, reach out to us. We would love to have a conversation with you and talk about that. There's a place on the website you can, you can go and um, fill out a short little form and just show that you're interested and one of our pastors will follow up with you. Um, but my encouragement would be to, to, be, to be baptized. Um, it is a beautiful identifying act that God gives us. All right, that's the first one. Jesus' identity in his lineage, his lineage as defined and proclaimed by God from heaven. Second story, Jesus' identity in testing or identity in accomplishment. Verse 12, it says, at once. The next two won't go as long as baptism, but I do have to stop after these first two words. Mark, Mark uses this word, uh, some of your translations will say immediately. Some will say at once. This word's used like 50 some odd times, 55 something times in the New Testament. Mark uses it 42 of them. He loves this word immediately. This is the way that Mark is trying to tell us who Jesus is. It's not long discourses. It's not a lot of explanation. There's not, not a lot of narrator voicing where he's telling us what to understand about this. He's just telling us stories immediately. Let's move on immediately, and then let's go. This thing, and, and you put the pieces together, right? You move from this thing to this thing and see how they go together, because that's the way that we read and understand, because the, the, the Bible's Number one verb that it uses with what to do with this book is not just read. The number one verb that it uses is meditate, right? Put it in your mind and spin it around for a while and talk about it with people and chew on it and let God change you. So immediately, meaning right after he comes up out of the water and he's defined by God and the spirit descends on him, he goes out into the wilderness, it says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Again, like I said, there's lots of connections that Mark is begging us to make to be able to understand what's the meaning of this, right? I mean, if, you know, if you're familiar with this story, you probably are, are more familiar with the temptation of Jesus in Matthew or Luke's account, and you're probably thinking, Mark, you left out the most important parts, right? Like, what did Satan say to him? How did Jesus respond? Mark doesn't give us any of that. He just says, right after he was filled with the Spirit, the Spirit sent him out to the wilderness. And you're thinking, oh, I've heard of that place before. I know some people that went out there. That never went well. That has never gone well. 
Part of our whole identity as a people group is that we were out in the wilderness failing over and over and over again. And now he's going out there with Satan for 40 days. I've heard that before too. They were there for 40 years. This is not going to be good. But the connections are there. And in case you were just wondering about them, the wild animals were there. Because I know you were reading your Bible wondering, where were the wild animals? They were in the wilderness with Jesus. And you're thinking, well, that can't be good either. Wild animals are not something to be played with. But the Spirit was filling him, and the angels attended him. And Jesus, somehow, Mark doesn't give us much explanation. We just know he made it. He made it. But this, this weekend is, um, I didn't go, obviously, because I'm here. But this weekend is my 20th high school reunion happening back in Austin, Austin Texas right now. Hey, yeah. Some of y'all are thinking, oh, 20 years, he's young. Uh, But most of y'all are not. (laughs) Um, There's nothing really wrong with being identified by accomplishment. This story is Jesus' identity in accomplishment. We're reading this, and we know, oh, people have gone out to the wilderness People have been around wild animals before. Satan has gotten to people before, and they all failed. It always went bad. But this one's different. This has given us Jesus' identity and accomplishment. His power to overcome. There's nothing wrong with being identified by accomplishment. Some of you have great satisfaction in who you are because of something that you've accomplished. I I, I don't get on social media too much, but I have been a little bit this weekend because I've been curious what are the people doing at my high school reunion. And, and, you know, I I don't know if this is just because it's reunion weekend or or, or what, but I'm... Some of them seem to identify with themselves in high school a whole lot. Like, Based on what they do in, some, like, some of their jackets. It's like, I don't got 20-year-old jackets. But some of them do, right? It seems very clear. Like, there's some accomplishment that's providing identification, that's providing identity, that's saying, this is who I am. I achieved this. This is who I am. And a little bit of this story is doing exactly that. It's saying, do you want to know who Jesus is? Well, Jesus is the one who achieved passing the test in the wilderness. This is his accomplishment. It's the first accomplishment we have recorded in the Bible by Jesus. Certainly in the Gospel of Mark. First thing that we know that he went off to do that was tough and needed to be accomplished was going out to the wilderness. 
And I would say for us, there's nothing wrong with being identified by accomplishment. It's just what does that accomplishment point us to? What is it celebrating? And here it's clear. I mean, this is, even in the reading of this story, it's very easy to see we aren't even just celebrating Jesus the human here because he was attended by angels and previously, just, uh, just before, immediately before, filled by the Spirit. So we say to this story of accomplishment, isn't God amazing? Do the accomplishments that identify you help you say, isn't God amazing? This is Jesus, the overcomer, the one who passed the test. The test that had been put on the people of generations and generations and generations and never was able to be passed. But this is Jesus, the one filled by the Spirit that is able to overcome. The thing that we didn't know we could ever get past, he passed it. This is Jesus. Last one, verse 14. After John was put in prison, there's a strange note, right? Like, oh, John was, what? John was put in prison? You gotta get to chapter six before you see John, why John was put in prison. Like, there's, we don't have time. After John was put in prison, because that line needs to be here and helps us understand. Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is identity and purpose. Sometimes we're identified by where we come from, right? By our lineage. I put a lot of stock in who my ancestors are and what they did and what they accomplished identifying by by my lineage sometimes we put our identity in our accomplishment i did this don't forget it you need to see it this is who i am i achieved this i accomplished it i did it but sometimes it's not lineage or achievement it's just purpose right this is who i am i have been called to this this is my passion this is my purpose don't miss this this is who i am a lot of times when we think about people throughout history, this, this category seems to be one that we remember a lot. Like I think of um, somebody like a Mandela, who obviously accomplished a lot. But really, I remember him, I know him by his life purpose of bringing justice to his broken land. At whatever cost it took, he had a purpose that he never let go of and never lost. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I, don't, I really don't know why. For some reason, when I was thinking of this and trying to think of illustrations, the one name that kept coming to my mind was, of course, Jane Goodall. Yeah, I don't know why either. Um, but, like, I don't, I don't know one thing that she's accomplished. I really, like, I couldn't give you one list on her resume. But I know what she made her life about. I know her purpose. I know why she was here. I, I know probably like 98% of what I know about chimp chimpanzees is because of Jane Goodall. Like I don't know one thing that it's not because of her. A woman has purpose. I'm going to give my life to this. Purpose is identifying. Purpose defines us. This is part of what brought me to the gospel in the beginning because I was living for a purpose 
that if it was what life is about, I didn't want that life. It was pointless. Jesus says, this is who I am in my baptism, being defined by God. This is who I am in accomplishment, overcoming the test in the wilderness. But if you want to know what I'm about, you want to know my purpose, you want to know why I'm here. The first red letters in your Bible, according to Mark, are the time is here. I am here to initiate the rule and reign of God that has long been promised and hoped for, but will come in me and will never end. I am here to bring the good news. Sometimes when we think of good news, and sorry if this is repetitious for those who have a good memory back to the spring, because uh, I taught something similar to this in the spring, or taught the same text in the spring. Um, sometimes when we think of good news, we think of, I'm guilty, and I can't go to heaven unless somebody would take my punishment so that then I can be accepted. And Jesus took that, he took my punishment, and so now I can be with God again, and that's great news. And I just want to say, That's good news. It's not the good news. The good news is way bigger and better than that. But that's great news that you get to be a part of the good news. The good news is the idea that someone would come to restore Eden, the perfect creation. Where not just I'm forgiven for my guilt, but justice is restored and contentment is restored and relationship is restored and righteousness is restored and peace is restored and rest is restored and God is with us. That's great news. And the fact that I can be forgiven to be a part of that, that's amazing. But my salvation is not the good news. It's good news for me. But the good news is what Jesus is bringing here, and that's the kingdom of God, which is the restoration of the rule and reign of God that would bring thriving, abundant, full, blessed life to all of his people. It would look like Jesus going out into the wilderness where the things that should kill him actually don't kill him, but he actually comes back and he's full of life. Jesus is identified by his lineage, by his accomplishment, by his purpose. My prayer for us today as we wrap up was really, really simple. I just have been praying that we would see him better, that, we, that you would see Jesus, that I would see Jesus I think that's what Mark's trying to do in these three texts is just be able to say this is who he is. And maybe these stories to some of you are brand new and maybe to some of you they feel so familiar it's hard to see past the familiarity and get to any meaning. And I can't open your eyes 
And to some extent, you can't either. That's why I've been praying that God would just help us see Jesus. That we would see him. That you would see him. See him in a way that you cannot ignore, that would transform your mind and change your heart and would radically bring new life. That you would see Jesus in a way that would be his true identity in his lineage and in his power and accomplishments and in his purpose, in his plan. And he gives us the very clear application, which is repent. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Which literally just means change your mind. Instead of aligning your mind with this line your mind with the right understanding of who Jesus is and believe it. Meaning, don't just cognitively agree with it, but put your trust in it. Lean into it. Believe it. Follow it. Pursue it. There's something even about um, the way Mark tells tells the the, the story of Jesus' life is is this back and forth between uh, showing who Jesus is and in some ways kind of showing how Jesus is concealing himself, right? He tells people to be quiet, not to talk about him. He heals people and he says, don't go tell anybody about that. Uh, he, he, He refers to himself by unique names that aren't totally revealing. And then there's some moments like this baptism like, I, bam, that's who, he, that's who he is. And so this back and forth between I see him, but I don't see him. I see him, but I don't see him. And to some extent, I think what Mark is trying to say is if you thought this is the guy that you were hoping for, whatever's in your mind is wrong. Because we don't hope purely, right? If, if, if I just pictured my own Savior, you probably wouldn't want nothing to do with them. And I wouldn't want nothing to do with yours. We need Jesus, something bigger and better than any of our fabrications that we could think of. We need to see him rightly for who he is. I think for this population that would have been reading Mark for the first time, if they just said, hey, the Savior's come, they would have been thinking like the Israel, Alexander the Great. Somebody's going to overthrow Rome. Not killed by Rome. Like they just would have had the wrong picture. So my prayer for us is that we would just repent and see Jesus rightly. And we need his help to to be able to do that. But the last thing that I will say in application, Bane, y'all can start making your way up here. I think for many of us, life is this constant struggle of asking the question, who am I? What is my identity? We're all searching in some ways for the answer to that question. What defines me? What identifies me? What am I gonna build my life on to say this is me? And, and in human to human relationship, right, I, I, I can answer that question and it can be encouraging to you. Like I can say, oh, I really believe that this is who I am. This is who David Kite is. And that can be encouraging to you but it's not super helpful. Like that doesn't answer your question. But when Jesus says, this is who I am, that is not just encouraging. That is helpful. 
Because whoever he is, the hope of this story is that whoever he is, is me. We're just singing it. The song is beautiful. I am who you say I am. So Jesus comes up out of the water and God says, you are my child. I love you. With you, I'm pleased. I'm looking at you. Because that's the same thing that he would say to you. Romans says the the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead has been put in you. So if Jesus is identified by his accomplishment and his ability to overcome, guess who you are? That power's in you. Jesus is identified by his purpose. And where has he put his message to usher and spread and bring the kingdom? It's in you. So when we see Jesus rightly, we answer the question of who we are. I know who I am if I know who Jesus is. Colossians says it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can build our life on it. Thank you that in your word, you reveal yourself to us. Jesus, we want to see you. We want to see you rightly. We want to be transformed by you. We want you to help us shed off and repent of any pictures or images of you that we've been hoping in that aren't who you really are. We want you to help us to repent from the things that we've been putting our identity in that don't truly define us because they aren't connected to you. We want you to reveal yourself to us in a way that identifies us and changes the way that we live. We're thankful for time to sit under your word this morning. I pray that as you said uh, and as you promised, it would not return void. For your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.